This week on episode 510 of Priority One, Star Trek Voyager could have had a much different endgame. The Section 31 spin-off series is still in the works, and Evil Picard is gonna get ya in IDW's new Mirror Universe series. In gaming, Star Trek Online wraps its year-long Klingon Civil War saga. You're listening to a Roddenberry podcast. Command codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 510 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Your weekly recap and review of all the major news happening in the Star Trek multiverse. This episode was recorded on Tuesday, May 25th, and available for download or streaming on Friday, May 28th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elio. And I'm Alex. And I'm Roscoe. Alex, thank you so very much for returning to the show and filling in for Kat. As as we said, she's moving on to the other side of Vulcan. Uh, We wish her a good move. But in the meantime, we've had such amazing feedback for your participation. Uh, Everybody loves you. So thank you so very (laughs) much for spending your Tuesday evening with us, filling in for Kat and talking about the latest headlines from Star Trek. Thank you so much for having me again. And thank you for allowing me to take your place right now, Kat. I hope you have a good move. Best of luck to you. Roscoe, you doing well? I'm doing really good. Things are ticking along quite nicely this week. I've been working on a couple of uh, builds in Star Trek Online. I'm finally getting around. I don't know why. I haven't done it before, but I'm getting around to having a captain who has a Tetrion build just for fun. So giving that a try and doing some reading into that. Going well so far, but the the damage is not great. So I've still got a little bit of work to do. (laughs) Um, Alex, what about you? What what have you been working on this week in terms of your builds or uh, Star Trek Online fun? Well, um, I I, I spent all day in STO today uh, because it's a new content drop. And every Tuesday that I actually, if I'm not at school or I'm at work, I will spend all day just enjoying all the new content. Like I'm a kid in a candy shop. In terms of the past week, just been working on, uh, I have a torpedo build that I've been working on and a gravity well slash torpedo boat. So much fun. <laughs> <laughs> Loving it. <laughs> now, everybody in the chat uh, is commenting on Alex's shirt. Mm-hmm. And for those of you at home who are listening to the show now, Alex has a white button-down shirt that has a bunch of... Has all the canon star... Well, all, like, the major Star Trek shirts. All the major Star shirts. Trek ships. Yep, ships. Yep, yep, yep. I said ships. From uh, Enterprise <laughs> to Deep Space Nine to Voyager, you name it. It's actually a really nice button down that I want to get my hands on for myself. It's really comfortable. And it's a reasonable price from what Alex was, uh, what you were saying, right? Yes, $30 USD. And remind us where we can get it. So this is from my friend Exploding High. That's the word exploding H-Y-E on Gumroad. Uh, you can just go to gumroad.com slash exploding H-Y-E and they have all kinds of amazing Star Trek stuff and non-Star Trek stuff. Awesome. So we'll be sure to have links for that in the show notes so that uh, you all can get your own hands on uh, on a shirt like that. It's really cool. I like, like I could see myself rocking it with a blazer. Yeah. Thing. 
I can see you wearing it. Yeah, Elio, I think I think a shirt like that would be very welcome on stage at the next convention we see you moderating a panel at. Oh, well, thank you. Very much looking forward to that. And if you're a brand new listener as well, welcome to the show and we hope you'll stay in touch. You see, this show is produced by a community of volunteers who donate their time and their talents and their shirts because like you, they're passionate about what Star Trek is all about. So we ask you to get involved and be a part of our podcast community. For instance, happening now as we record this episode live on our social media platforms, we have an amazing group of people chatting with us about the topics we're discussing. So if you want to be a part of that, join us on Tuesday nights at about 9.30 Eastern on social media like Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. You can also share your thoughts about the weekly headlines and have them read aloud on our show during our segments like feedback or as we're covering them. You can also consider joining the team, lending your time and talents to producing this show from week to week. And if you find value in the podcast, but don't have time to contribute, consider supporting us financially by joining our Patreon family. And honestly, no matter what, our corner of this community is always eager to include more members and share in the passion that we all have for Star Trek. So visit us at PriorityOnePodcast.com and learn about all the ways you can help shape our little corner of the Star Trek multiverse. You can also join us on our Facebook group. Just search for Priority One Podcast on Facebook and search the Groups tab. You can join our team, you can become a patron, or you can be part of the conversation by joining our communities just like the ones that we have on social media or for games as well via the Priority One Armada. Now, let's find out what's been happening in the Star Trek multiverse. I don't know. Then let's break it out. It was a night when the question that had plagued fans over the course of seven years would be answered. Will Voyager return home in the series finale? The feature-length final episode, Endgame, aired 20 years ago on May 23, 2001. And this week, the series milestone was celebrated, commemorated, and dissected. The Hollywood Reporter spoke with many of the cast and crew, discussing the potential finale ideas that were left mostly in the writer's room. Suggestions included killing off Captain Janeway or Seven of Nine, reverse a assimilation of the Borg, and the idea that Endgame could have been a mid-season episode to allow for the crew to explore returning home to the Alpha Quadrant. To fully explore the story, check out the link in our show notes. On reading this story, one thing I noticed was they talked a lot about how, in particularly in the final season, there were a lot of cooks in the kitchen. You had Brian Fuller, you had Brandon Braga, you had Rick Berman, all pitching in ideas, and there were lots of ideas in the article about how it could have ended. Uh, they wanted to kill off Captain Janeway, and I guess they, they did to some extent, to do it to some uh, timey-wiming shenanigans. But also, it kind of reflected the haphazard nature of the all the cooks in the kitchen was a little bit reflected in that episode as well. It was There were points where it was it was a little all over the place and then we got to the end, we're like, oh my God, they're home. And then it's over. Just like yeah. that. There was no exploration of what it means for Voyager to really be home. We got a little at the start of the episode, but otherwise that's in it. And for me, that was the most important, the, the most interesting takeaway from reading this article. What do you guys think? 
Yeah, it definitely makes me think that I would have loved to see the Voyager crew explore home. Like, their readjustment, because you've got to have a readjustment period after everything that they've gone through. Now that I'm thinking about it, it reminds me of going back to normal post-pandemic, post air quotes, for the people who can't see me. <laughs> Yeah, it's an interesting, you know, exploration about the what ifs, right? And I think that I would argue, actually, <laughs> that Star Trek Online did a really good job of working Voyager lore into their own story uh, years ago, right? Especially when we faced against the Vaudoir. So this is, you know, a lot of interesting, interesting what ifs to, to think about. Um, you know, I particularly like that, you know, Garrett Wong calls out, we don't even step foot on Earth. Like... Yeah. It's true, right? <laughs> um, but you know, I'll be honest. I've been Voyager was kind of was my bedtime trek for a while <laughs> after I had watched it, and not so much anymore. I'm kind of I'm kind of like wow, Janeway's really wishy washy. You know, she kind of she kind of adheres to the Prime Directive when it suits her. You know, it's very it's not just her. It's you know the the crew in general. But yeah, I've I've as I as I've rewatched it, I've gone wait a minute. That's just wrong man this is real wrong is this a tuvix thing no 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 i i i am of the camp that tuvix should have gone away like it needed to go back to neelix and tuvok that's mm. my camp i am in that camp i'm i'm in a camp on my own and it's the camp where everyone keeps on talking about should we split up tuvix or should we keep tuvix as the one person but no one's talking about who else we should be combining combining tuvix with because we've got two <laughs> three's a party <laughs> Who else can we combine them with? I'm in a horrible camp where I have the word Tuvix muted on Twitter. That's where I am. <laughs> like, it's just one of those ethical questions that does not have a right answer. Right. And right. people try to find one. Mm -hmm. And that's why I have it muted. <laughs> I yeah. love you guys for debating this, but I need a break. <laughs> that leads us to our first community question of the week. If you could change one thing about the Voyager finale, what would it be? Let us know in the comment section for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com or by replying to our community question post on our social media channels like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Everyone's favorite Klingon turned human turned Section 31 agent, Ash Tyler, has been in the news this week discussing the Section 31 spinoff. And turns out details are few to the point of mysterious. Speaking with Digital Spy this week, actor Shazad Latif talked about the spin-off series currently being up in the air due to actors' schedules. Quote, It's just been slight yeses, slight questions, but I've no idea. I think it's down to people's schedules. I spoke to Ethan Peck briefly the other day. He's started the other one, Star Trek Strange New Worlds. And that's about it. End quote. The only other details we have come from Alex Kurtzman, who was more of a hype man than the detail guy. Kurtzman said the show is well on its way, and the writers have put together a great script, as well as a Section 31 writer's room. All other details are shrouded in a veil of secrecy. It's interesting that this is the show that we keep talking about, but we never see anything. Very much like Section 31 itself. I was just about to say, that feels... I mean, this tracks. A veil of secrecy? 
Yeah. It would it would make sense that they would try to do some now hopefully they don't pull what they did with Khan in Star Trek into Darkness. Right. Remember that they they tried to pull the wool over our eyes and they were like, yeah, it's John Harrison. Nah, John Harrison's not Khan. No. And then, haha, Khan. Remember all that? Mm-hmm. Hopefully they won't overdo it with Section 31. Or if they do it, hopefully the folks in the marketing department can get real creative. This is an opportunity, I think, for them to do kind of these like viral tweets where, you know, there's codes that you have to figure out, you know, leading up to the release of a trailer or something like that. This is a real good opportunity if this show is going to be developed for them to really engage with the community. I think to make games, social media scavenger hunts. Yeah, if they're listening, go ahead, take that idea. We'll take 10%. <laughs> the phone <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I like that idea of a Section 31 scavenger hunt. No, okay. Mm. This needs to be talked about and developed more, I feel. I hope so. I hope they take advantage. Mm. I think that would be really cool. Maybe something across all their games, you know, like a little start involving all of the the properties that have the Star Trek license. So, you know, people have to go, you know, jump across some platforms, but maybe they don't and you can still figure it out on your own. Yeah, it's, it's, I hope they do it. That'd be pretty cool. It's the one aspect of the Star Trek franchise that was never delved into in the next generation TV series, the Mirror Universe. Thankfully, the folks at IDW Comics have taken that dagger and stabbed with it repeatedly and explored the world in the 2018 series Mirror Broken. The series saw a frustrated and aggressive Captain Picard in command of the Stargazer. The crew, including Inquisitor Deanna Troy and a Borgified version of Data, working towards destroying and salvaging Cardassian and Klingon ships for profit and maintaining the borders of the weakened Empire. Eventually, Picard's frustrations and ambitions led the captain, complete with goatee, to steal command of the Empire's newest galaxy-class warship from Captain Jellicoe. Now the repercussions of the not-so-good captain's actions will be explored in Mirror War. In the nine-part series, evil Picard will face the wrath of the Emperor for his crimes. Why is the Emperor angry at Picard? We'll have to wait and see. The Mirror War will also be complemented by four tie-in one-shots, each of which will follow an evil version of a prominent next-generation character, beginning with Data. You know, IDW has done quite a bit with their storytelling in Star Trek and expanding the universe. You know, some of them are, you know, they can be hit or miss, but they certainly have something for everyone. Uh, And some of their story arcs are maybe better than others, but it's still something that you should definitely give a shot. You know, try it out. Uh, Especially, particularly, their countdown series of comics leading up to things like movies or the shows. Those can really help give you a different perspective of what you're about to watch on screen. And I'm a fan of cross collaborative efforts between properties, right? I'm a big fan, like, you know, when the Matrix was out, you had things like the comics and you had the game Enter the Matrix and it had a really strong tie in to the films. So yeah, I'm a big fan of this kind of stuff. (laughs) I still haven't checked out any of the, um, any of IDW's comics. I really need to. And uh, the countdown comics are some of those that I really, really like to, especially the ones with Picard uh, and the Odyssey class and the Fate class from Star Trek Online. Big fans of both of those ships. So I feel like I should at least buy that issue just 
frame it or something. <laughs> yeah, and if you if you happen to have a tablet uh, or just any laptop, uh, you can download an app that even allows you to read it digitally. Um, cool. Yeah, just visit idw.com and you'll be able to find links there to those comics and more, uh, all of IDW's library. Yeah, they're really good. I, I highly recommend it. We'll have to get you back on the show after you read them so you can share your thoughts. <laughs> I remember picking up, I'm pretty sure, all the copies of Mirror Broken, uh, all the issues, and it's an excellent read. It's lots of fun. Um, Picard and Riker's relationship, they re- it's quite antagonistic, but they realize for mutual benefit they can they can work together because it'll benefit them both. The machinations of the Empire, the Terran Empire, goings on behind the scenes. Mars is a real uh, base for the Empire because the it's actually shrunk so much due to the Alliance, and so they, they maintain the borders and are always attacking Cardassian and Klingon ships, salvaging what they can and selling it off to uh, the guys in Mars to try and just advance their station a little bit more, get a little bit richer. Uh, the, the So the economics of how the world works is delved into a little bit, and it just it makes it that little bit richer and gives it a bit more depth, which is really nice to see. It's a, I highly recommend it. It's a good read. What's good about the Mirror Universe, or any Mirror Universe, when done right, is that it provides a a really great juxtaposition between the mirror characters and their evil twins and characters we've come to love who have been established, right? So, you know, I think about Enterprise. The mirror episodes of Enterprise didn't happen to what? Season three, season four, right? And comparatively with Discovery, I feel like we were thrust into the mirror universe a little too soon. We didn't really know the characters well enough to say, oh, well, that's just weird. I Stamets would never do that. Like, it just, it didn't, we didn't have enough of a relationship with them to see that difference. I'm watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer now with uh, my girlfriend. I've never watched the show before. I'm t- I'm all in. I'm all into Buffy now. We're five seasons in. And those Mirror episodes are great for that reason, right? Like Mirror Willow is fantastic because she's so different from Willow in the prime timeline, right? And But we had, it was a, a several seasons before we saw that. So these, uh, these comics, I'm sure, will allow us to peek into a darker side of our beloved characters. Mm-hmm. But this is a Star Trek podcast, not Buffy the Vampire Slayer, although I've been thinking about it. <laughs> we'll move on to a few headlines that we didn't discuss, but thought would interest you. Links to all of these, of course, will be in our show notes. In a recent installment of Variety's Streaming Room, Alex Kurtzman and Soniqua Martin-Green share their insights on Season 3 of Star Trek Discovery, how canon influenced their decision to jump into the future, Burnham's journey, and the importance of representation on screen. No juicy track nuggets about season four, though. And Tignotaro has confirmed engineer Jet Reno's return in season four of Star Trek Discovery during an interview with the AV Club. According to Notaro, the writers and producers are incredibly flexible with her time and give her lots of flexibility with her other professional endeavours. She also confirmed that she does not riff and or ad-lib, but that her dialogue is completely written for her. I know we won't discuss too much of this, but Tignotaro is just just a treasure on Discovery. I love her. They, she, they need to give her way more than what they what they have done for her. I want a Tignotaro series. Yes. <laughs> just her going around fixing things. Yeah. Like that, I would just be okay I think a Tignotaro short trek would be most welcome. Yes. Yes. yes that's a good idea. That's I agree. Good. Well, remember, Captains, to learn more about these headlines, be sure to review the show notes for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com. 
Well, Captains, that's all the news we have to check out this week. Now let's find out what happened in the world of Star Trek gaming. Welcome aboard, Captain. Hero Collector, the maker of everyone's favorite Star Trek model collection, is joining with Star Trek Online to celebrate the arrival of Stowe's new Far From Home lockbox. For starters, Cryptic's lead Starship and UI artist Thomas Maroney has written an article for the Hero Collector website. Thomas offers insights into the challenges and intentions as the ship team brought the USS Discovery refit from screen to game. Be sure to check out Thomas's article by following the link in our show notes. But wait, there's more. Hero Collector has also announced a Stowe House United launch giveaway. Just by following their official Twitter account and that of Star Trek Online, and by retweeting the giveaway announcement, you can have a chance to win the Star Trek Online 2021 Anniversary Legendary Bundle. That bundle retails at 25,000 zen, nearly $250. It includes four newly updated Tier 6 legendary ships, the Burrell, the Excelsior, the Vorcha, and the Ambassador. And it includes a pile of other valuable game items and currency. We've certainly debated the cost and value of these bundles on the show, but nobody will debate winning the Anniversary Legendary Bundle for free. You can find a link to the giveaway announcement tweet right in our show notes, too. The contest ends, and the winners will be announced on june 1st 2021 yeah you can't complain when something's given away for free so try to win captain is my favorite flavor of starship mm-hmm. <laughs> now captains before we go any further we've got a spoiler warning the following may spoil some of the story regarding the two newest missions to land on the pc version of star trek online Now available to play on PC, the Klingon Civil War comes to an end. The mother of all Klingons, Lorel, continues to lead Ja'ula, Martok, and Adet Pa against Emperor Jimpak. With voiceover performances by Mary Chifo, J.G. Hertzler, and Rekha Sharma, this two-mission end will finally bring the year-long battle to an end. Additionally, players can participate in a new task force operation called Remain Klingon. Now, don't forget, playing through some of this new content on a daily basis will earn you progress towards an Imperial Assault Ground set. Just visit your events tab in your mission journal to learn about all the ways you can complete your daily progress. All right, Roscoe, you haven't played it. I'm sorry. You can cover your ears. So I've only played the first mission, and I won't get too much into detail about the story itself, right? I, I, I think we need to give people time to play the missions before we really dive into the story itself. Uh, I did take some notes on just the first mission alone. And, you know, ultimately, my thoughts are that there are just little things that I think could have improved the mission overall. For example, Laurel's voice, the way they modulate Mary Chifo's voice is off. And I think they did it in the last time she was when she was introduced in the game. I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to emulate whatever Discovery did to Mary Chifo's voice by lowering it down a bit and making it a little deeper. But what ends up happening is that it creates this almost distorted digital effect that you do not hear with J.G. Hertzler's Martok or even Rekha Sharma's Adet Pa. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of wish that they tone that back, if, if not just remove it. Mary's great the way she is. Let's just not touch that. Would you like a headcanon explanation for that? Because she's a ghost? She's a copy. She's a copy? I guess, That's sure. true. They Xeroxed It's her. not quite 100% because she's a copy. I, yeah, I guess. I guess they sure. ran out of toner. <laughs> they ran out of toner, right. Yeah. Right. They ran out of protein, biomatter, whatever. Not enough whatever. red ink in that one. <laughs> um, 
And then as far as the mission itself, again, this is just the first of the two that I had the opportunity of playing. I'll be honest, was repetitive. A lot of rinse and repeat over the course of an hour, right? I played it casually, taking my time to you know, listen to the voiceover work, read the story. I didn't rush through it. And it took me about an hour to play the mission. And I was underwhelmed, I have to say. I was really underwhelmed. And, you know, if look, if you are a member of the t only 2% of people that participate in the Reddit forum community, you may be aware that there was an article discussing missions and its relation to Lockbox and development in Star Trek Online. I'm underwhelmed by this mission because, and we talked about this in episode 492 of Priority One back in January, there has been a noticeable decline in the production of missions, featured episode missions that deal with storylines in Star Trek Online. The decline started on about the second half of 2018. So, you know, we've had the great pleasure of talking with developers throughout the years. In talking about this very thing, one of the themes, Roscoe, that you reminded me of was that, you know, the, the goal was to improve the quality of the missions over the quantity. And I wish that I could get behind that. But when we are presented with missions that are rinse and repeat, like this first one that took over an hour to do, the logic doesn't seem to line up for me. It doesn't line up for me very well. And then on top of that, you add insult to injury when you have some developers, you have some people that work for Cryptic officially condescendingly talking down to the community, the quote unquote 2% of players that voice their opinions on Reddit or the forums. It doesn't foster a, a growing community, a welcoming community. And so, yeah, it just, you know, this mission, this first one, I was really disappointed in mostly because if we're only going to get five missions a year, or a handful of missions a year, then golly, they should really be great missions. Not not an hour long adventure that ends up being split into a bunch of patrols, right? Now, I say this not out of malice. I say, you know, I have had the great opportunity of meeting these content creators, folks like Ryan Levitt, who absolutely love what they do, who put so much work and passion into these TFOs and these missions. I, I, my goal is not to poo-poo on it. It's simply to say, okay, if we're only gonna get five missions a year, let's let's go for that quality. Let's go for that quality. Let's get inventive in the storytelling. The way we got inventive years ago with Dragon's Deceit against the Vaudoir, and we repelled and ziplined down a cliff, right? Let's get inventive with this. To be fair, though, and, and I say this not having played the mission because I haven't had a chance to yet. I've watched the trailer for the uh, new series. I've watched, I've downloaded the patch, so it's ready to go. It's there, burning a hole in my keyboard waiting for me to play but i think that the developers at, at cryptic whenever they've been on it on priority one have explained fairly reasonably that they are working on quality over quantity and i think for the most part in terms of inventive storyline there they are going to places where we haven't been before they are we've never seen uh laurel in the game before so that's an entirely new element that we've uh, having gowron back in the in the game at all 
back yeah. in the universe and he's dead doesn't stop uh, them being able to be in the game and I think that's a lot of fun I think there are really good elements here uh, where they have been creative with existing Star Trek canon and lore and that's what we've seen consistently from them in the past yes it doesn't match up to Delta Rising and the huge release that was it's different to Victory is Life and the massive release that that was what we've seen in the last couple of seasons as it were with the Discovery and then the Year of Klingon is that they've had to draw it out over longer periods of time mostly due to it being working in with release schedules of TV programs wanting to tie into those but also not knowing where they're going to go so I I think I'm I'm looking forward to playing it and and seeing it for myself but I, I think you may be being a little harsh uh, on them in terms of being creative because I think they are and the, the parameters that I think they're working on in terms of release schedules and not knowing the all the whole story when it comes to current series on screen would make their job very challenging. I want to just add in I ran both missions today as well as the TFO and I feel like the second mission a day long remembered I feel like that kind of hits more of a mark for me because I I do kind of agree the Warriors of the Empire that first mission it did feel a little drawn out a bit with repeated content. I was happy to play it and I really enjoyed the voice acting and you know the storytelling but it felt repetitive and I wasn't running it on like a really high powered DPS character and so it even on normal it took me a whole hour to run it. It was a little rough and not just due to story length the battles were just kind of out there and I I just can't help but think of the majority of my friends who have gotten into Star Trek Online through Trek Twitter they're not hardcore gamers they just want to enjoy this game for the story and you know when you're playing it from that perspective it just kind of sucks. Feels a little I don't know if punishing is the right word it feels a little harsh but like I was saying a day long remembered felt way better and I feel like the tie-in with the TFO it does make sense with a day long remembered they are correct that you should run the mission first before the TFO but I feel like those are good so definitely run both run the TFO if you're a TFO person I want to be abundantly clear that I do not think that the stories are terrible yeah. Uh, or that the voice acting is terrible. At the same time, Roscoe, to rebut you, I don't think I'm being harsh at all. I think that we have 10 years of history to look back on previous missions that were able to tell stories while also being engaging as a video game, right? Because that's also what we have to remember is that this is a video game that is designed to, you know, satiate the whatever urges and passions we might have that we turn to video games for whether it's for explosions or intricate systems and involvements and crafting and whatnot you know the yes star trek online tells epic stories but it's also a video game right so what i struggle to see is yes the quality of the cinematics and the voiceover work and the storytelling are phenomenal especially when they include actors that we've seen in in from discovery and the new trek but i miss the days when featured episodes also pushed the limits with what the game could do and what a player could do in the game. Whether it's something like rappelling down a cliff or, or 
or some other mechanic. And so, yeah, that's that's where I'm struggling with these with these recent missions and why this particular, like for instance, this story arc, the Klingon Civil War, why this mission, this arc has taken a year, you know, 10 ep uh, roughly 10 episodes over a year and a half, really. So yeah, that's that's kind of where I am. Well, I think as players, what we can do is you can either choose to keep playing the content or not. The game is being developed. It's in a way that it is a financial product that if you choose to, you can purchase things. So I would say that if you know if players have issue, then issue with these types of things, then the best way to make cryptic listen is to vote with your wallet because that's the only real way that will force change. Because if players aren't engaging with content because they don't enjoy it, then vote with your wallet. That's one of the more effective ways to let them know that you enjoy the content or not. That might be true. That might be, that very much is the case, right? Don't buy the keys, don't buy the ships, don't do all these things. But the, the mission content is free, right? You could play that mission content. Mm -hmm. um, that doesn't mean that players shouldn't feel afraid to voice their opinions in a constructive and critical manner. Oh, I that completely offers agree with you. Suggestions. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's the other side of this, this story too, is that when players do often, and this is a recent thing, and I don't know why, it seems that there, that there are a few voices that work for Cryptic in an official capacity that tend to condescend and talk down to the community. It's wrong, it's inappropriate, and it doesn't foster a welcoming community where players can exchange ideas and share their thoughts. Instead, they're met with animosity, confrontation, and it just, it, that doesn't work, right? So yeah, Volvo either wallet. I, you know, it just so happened what you said harkens back to something somebody replied to me on Twitter with, which is don't play the game. I don't want to do that. I don't, I want to be able to enjoy the game. I want to be able to watch Trek, but I also don't want to be judged for offering criticism. Any fan can still be a fan while offering constructive criticism. I'm an artist. I've said this before on the show. There's no way I could ever hone my craft, be a better singer, be a better performer. If somebody doesn't tell me mm, that rendition of stars from Les Mis was kind of weird. Maybe you shouldn't do it that way. Consider going back to something more traditional. That's how art grows, right? And yeah. I would argue that gaming, video gaming and video development is also an art form, not just an entertainment, but also an art form as is new track. So I would urge that if somebody from Cryptic happens to be listening, be mindful of the way you're engaging with the community. It might be only 2%. It could very well be that the forums and the and Reddit and social media account for only 2% of the player base, but that doesn't mean that the 2% are worthless, right? And that, the, that those opinions don't matter. And also vote with your wallet. The thing that echoes in my head the most is, uh, you know, constructive criticism is so important. As a creator, too, I feel that a lot. <laughs> I'm always begging for it on my illustrations and I never get it. And it's like, that's not helping me. But that's beside the point. I digress. I also feel like it's often difficult to share criticism without being met with trolling. Right. Because there's a big difference between sharing criticism in good faith and just criticizing because you hate everything and cryptic sucks and I'm never going to spend money on this game again, which is what you say every single time, random members account on Twitter. When you criticize in good faith, kind of like you are, Elio, and as well as you, Roscoe, you criticize because you care. You criticize from a point of caring for the IP, caring for the product. But when you're saying cryptic sucks, they just are stupid. They don't give me free stuff. I, I'm going to mute you on Twitter. Right. That's just, I'm done. Yeah, that's not constructive. That's not constructive at all. 
<laughs> and I feel like that needs to be underscored a little bit more because I see a lot of that latter non-constructive criticism a lot. Right. And that's the thing. I'm sure we all have giant lists of things that we've seen in the game, little tweaks that we'd like to see, quality of life improvements. Like, for example, my little bugbear, and I only just noticed it recently, is that in the reputation list, I believe it, I'm going to say it goes Omega, Reputation, Romulan, then Nukara. But in the list of rewards, the Romulan and Nukara are flipped in the order. Oh, and it's just a little thing. It's just a little thing. And it's a it's not even quality of life. It's it's a consistency thing. So I've, I'm sure I've got a list that's quite long of lots of little things like that that I've noticed in the game. And I guess what I'm asking is, how do I share that without feeling like I'm throwing it into the void? Because sometimes that's what it feels like. Right. Yeah. yeah. Because I don't want to put a put a post on Reddit and then have a million replies that go, you're still playing that? Ugh, cryptic's dumb. Right. They yeah. never give us free stuff. And again, not that's not constructive. And it, yeah. but going also back because it's this is a two way street here, and most recently it seems to be getting worse. Hearing back from a an official representative of Cryptic talking down to you, you know, and, and being a, giving you a condescending reply. So, and again, this is something that has happened in just the last two or three years. This this shift in the in the relationship between Cryptic and and the community that concerns me. It hurts me. It doesn't concern me. It hurts me, right? Because you know we've been doing the show for ten years now. It breaks my heart to see that kind of reaction from the developers, whether it's the 2% or whether it's the masses in the game, right? It doesn't matter, you know? If, if people are trying to share their thoughts, you know, do better do better as an official representative. And yeah, of course, there's always room for improvement, little things like that, but always be constructive. And to mention a point that was raised in chat, we certainly weren't complaining about the fact that Cryptic never gives us free stuff because Theron correctly uh, highlights, they just gave us five days of free stuff in Star Trek Online, which is absolutely brilliant. And I completely agree. It's it's uh, They certainly did, and it's very rare to see them do that outside of an anniversary. So that's really cool. I've really got to give them props for that because they, at the end of the day, they didn't have to do it. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, I mean, you know, things like this are great. They're fantastic. They're absolutely, you know, wonderful. The reason I bring up this whole thing is, you know, unfortunately there was a, a massively article that highlighted some conversations happening on Reddit and the Star- official Star Trek Online forums, particularly about the relationship between items that are designed to sell, be sold, and bring money to Cryptic versus playable content, versus content mm-hmm. that can be enjoyed, that, that progresses the story. And that's kind of where my focus is, at least in, in this week's rant is that there has been a measurable decline in story content. And it's also okay that items are being sold. Absolutely. <laughs> the game has to make money. It has to make money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? But don't condescend the player by telling them you don't know how game development works. You don't know X, Y, and Z. There's no correlation. When the data says otherwise, 10 years worth of, of Star Trek missions and Wiki being a great repository of history says otherwise, you know? There is a difference. And either don't say anything or make an official statement. And that's all I have to say about that. So let's move on to other gaming news. 
A much-requested quality-of-life improvement has arrived for players of Star Trek Fleet Command. As expected following a recent announcement, a new Battle View mode has been added to the game. When the phasers start flying, players can click a conveniently displayed red alert icon to declutter the game's user interface. With less UI noise while in Battle View, you can more easily focus on handling those combat targets and making sure they discover just how cold space can be. To get a look at Battle View in action, hop on over to Fleet Command's Twitter video of the feature via our show notes, or just hop in the game and try it yourself. In the long gone days of December of 2020, we last discussed J.J. Abrams' Bad Robot Games studio. Back then, they were hiring up important executives. Now they've announced the landing of more than $40 million in financing. The investment comes from sources like Galaxy Interactive, Horizons Ventures, Iconic Capital and Tencent. Bad Robot Games CEO Anna Sweet released a statement saying the VC backing will be good as they look to, quote, change the way people interact with and view video games, end quote. The company has announced that its first title will be an original AAA game developed internally and with the collaboration of Bad Robot's film, TV and animation teams. It's not a lot of information and there's no hint yet that Bad Robot's games will be working on a Star Trek title. But the film studio has produced every Star Trek film since 2009 and we can hope for new games. They also produced films for that other star universe, but we won't speculate about games for them. That's the news from Trek Games this week. Now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, hailing frequencies are now open and we're ready to receive all of your incoming messages. Last week, we asked, as we reflect on Gene Roddenberry's legacy over the next 100 days, tell us, what does Star Trek mean to you? And we got a great response from Robert Holloway on Facebook, but we did have to trim it down a bit for time. He said, quote, Star Trek means a lot to me. I started watching because when I was younger, my dad grounded me and made me watch the original series. I'm really glad he did because I grew to love it. Star Trek has always made me feel like I could do anything and go anywhere, be anything I wanted to be. Star Trek has given me so much to look forward to and helped me through so much. That's what it means to me, end quote. And as always, Robert, thank you so very much for your epic feedback. And he did leave you a note as well, Alex, saying how remarkable a host you've been uh, these last uh, this last episode. Thank you. <laughs> and I'm sure he'll say it again this week too. So thank you so very much. <laughs> thank you. Uh, also, speaking of uh, shout outs on uh, social media to Dennis Koch, who always, always seems to share our stuff, our posts. So Dennis, thank you so very much for spreading the word of Priority One. Remember, Captains, if you don't have time to be a member of the production or maybe you don't have funds to support us on Patreon, the other best way you can support the show is to share it with your friends. If you're on social media like Twitter or Facebook, be sure to hit that share button when you see a post from us. And with that, we wrap episode 510 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. But there are more great shows available to you on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Just visit podcasts.roddenberry.com for a complete list. Then be sure to subscribe to them all and share them with your friends. But we can't forget to send a special thanks to some of our Patreon supporters like David K. Rutley, Peter Archibald, and Gerald Bosch. And here's a reminder of our community question this week. 
If you could change one thing about the Voyager finale, what would it be? Captains, it's important to us that you get your voice heard and that you participate in the conversation. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast. On our Facebook group, just search for Priority One Podcast in Facebook groups or find us on Twitter and Instagram at Priority One Pod. And if you're still craving more, be sure to spend time with Winters, Anthony, Thomas, Gray and Kat. Saturday nights, the Armada broadcasts live to review the latest news from Star Trek Online and the Armada community, including spotlighting some of our amazing members. With regular giveaways, there is something for all Stowe players, whether you are new or a veteran. Follow us on all our social media accounts for broadcast times. And if you'd like to join the Armada, visit PriorityOneArmada.com. This episode of Priority One is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. During these difficult times, captains were humbled by the continued support of our patrons who find value in the content that we produce each and every week. The dollars that you offer us go back into the production of the show that help us with equipment upgrades, making sure that we have the software we need to edit, and of course, to continue to offer coverage of Star Trek headlines here on the show. So if you're interested in becoming a member of the Patreon family and earn some awesome bonuses like a second podcast exclusive to our Patreon, Trends called After Hours, visit patreon.com forward slash priority one. And don't forget the good folks in Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency Podcast. You'll find them at guardfrequency.com. Each episode, the guard will take you inside the universe of your favorite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons and Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to Heroes Rise Podcast to discover their secret. And of course, a very special thanks to Alex for joining us again this episode and filling Yay. in poor Cat. Alex, thank you so very much. It's been a wonderful two episodes having you here. Captains, be sure to follow Alex on Twitter. Links, of course, will be in our show notes. And check her out over at Ship Talking Pod with Brandon, former producer here on Priority One Podcast. And thank you again, Alex. It's been a real pleasure having you. Thank you. It's been super fun. Keep drawing. Keep drawing, please. I'll try. <laughs> and please more please more screenshots of your stealth bomber build because oh mwah, chef's kiss i'll send you screenshots directly i can <laughs> i'll also post them publicly <laughs> Yay. and a special thanks to our audio editors including gray brandon william daniel rand lennon and alex thanks to our producer jake and associate producers shane and thomas together they help us organize and write up our summary of the weekly headlines from the star trek multiverse thanks to our graphic artist alejandro with support from jason of the priority one armada thanks to the composer of our theme music chris watts but most importantly a big thanks to you the star trek community our listeners because without your ongoing support none of this would be possible Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Ready weapons. Engage.
transfer complete. Hello, captains. You're listening to episode. Oh no, no, no! This part, oh. this part, this part. Up on top. This, this week on this episode. Good energy, though. I was not scrolled up all the way. No. <laughs> I was okay. not scrolled that, up that all the energy. way. Right energy. That was great nice. energy, in fact. Yes. To steal command of the Empire's newest galaxy-class warship from Captain Jellico. The galaxy. Now the repercussions. Galaxy? Did I hear galaxy? You may have. I'll have another go. I thought I heard galax galaxies. I, I heard something. Galaxies. That's not. That's <laughs> not how you say it. No. The galaxy class starship. <laughs> if you could change one thing about the Voyager finality, finality. Plus the rest of the Priority One Armada. Sunday nights. The Sunday nights. The Armada broadcasts Wait, Saturday, live. Saturday. Sat. Wasn't that I, last I misread week's it show? again. You did it again. <laughs> you did it again. I want you guys to do it Sundays, and you're going to do it Sundays now. <laughs> I won't make sure to be fair, because of the time difference, I do do it Sundays. That's true. It's Sunday lunchtime for me. It's great. So I am technically right, somewhat. Sure. You're also technically wrong by saying the <laughs> yeah. wrong day. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. Okay. <laughs> This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.